If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our podcast, Growing Up With Galdem. So before we start storytelling, we want to let you know that this episode discusses themes like depression, grief, and anxiety. 
So in this episode, we'll be talking to Candice Carty-Williams. Candice is an author and journalist based in South London. Before debuting her novel Queenie this year, which made the Sunday Times bestsellers list after just half a week of sales, Candice established the Guardian and Fourth Estate BAME Short Story Prize, which spotlights young creative talent. Hi, thanks for having me. Pleasure. We're so excited to have our latest cover star in the studio with us here today. Um, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and any exciting projects that you're working on at the moment, i.e. book number two? Um, So uh, I'm, I mean, you've covered it all basically. So that's that's me in a nutshell. I don't do much apart from work at the moment. Um, But I am working on um, on book two, which is called People Person. Um, And it really is about the strong friend, um, because I think the strong friend gets overlooked quite a lot. I am the strong friend. So this is my cry for help. So hopefully all my friends read it, uh, <laughs> even if no one else does. Um, but yeah, no, that's really cool. And I'm also working on adapting TV for the... Sorry, I'm working on adapting Queenie for the TV, which is Ooh, exciting. That is so exciting. It's majorly stressful. Oh, but is exciting. it? Yeah, TV is like a whole different... And they move slow. Are they moving slow? They just want to talk about stuff all all the the time. time. They just want to chat all the time. It's like, no, I just want to do the work. Yeah, just leave me alone and I'll do the work and that's fine. They're just like, come in for a meeting. Yes, I ain't got travel money for this. Please. (laughs) Doesn't want to pay for tea, like nothing. (laughs) No. Um, Do do we have a date for when that's going to happen? Or is it? No, we don't. No. I mean, when the conversation stops, then I'll have a date. (laughs) Okay, fair. Are you allowed to say like who it's with or anything? No. No. no, Okay, fine. Okay, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Moving swiftly on. Um, I feel like we should talk a little bit about how we first met or how you first um, came on to Galdem as well. I can't, I don't know if I can remember where we first met. I remember where I felt like I first met met you, oh, which was at the bookshop, and we had a really lovely conversation yes. when you came in. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Michelle Obama bookshop. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was amazing. Yeah, we all just sat down. We were like, "Oh, working space," and then we just had chats. You yeah. come to like help out, and we were like, "Candice, you can't help <laughs> out. Candice is royalty." No, but I was like, "Please let me do something," and you were like, "No, just, <laughs> just, just sit with just, us. Please just sit with us." And I was like, "What was going on?" I felt very honoured. Did you? Of course. Aww. We have a an extract of yours of sorts. Is it an extract? Yeah. It's a notes. Notes it's on the notes to self on my phone. Should I read it? Yeah, we'd love you to read it. Okay, I'm gonna read it. It was absolutely like when I was going back through it, I was like, Oh, you were so dramatic when you were twenty two. <laughs> I'm still as dramatic now. So I was like, <laughs> You're still like this just in a sort of different way. Um so this is from the tenth of April twenty twelve at seventeen twenty nine. Um so around that time I was twenty two, twenty three and I was at home all the time. I think I was at home for around two years. So I finished university and um, I was like, oh, this is hard because you're meant to be like knowing what you're doing now. And all my friends have all these connections and they're going into these like amazing jobs. And I was just like, oh, I don't have that at all. Um, And then my best friend at the time, um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And we were like, okay, that's kind of intense because I didn't really know that. I didn't really know grief like that in any way because of my family. Like, I always say, it's a joke, but it's also not a joke. <laughs> Physically, we're all really well, but mentally, we're just, <laughs> we're not. Um, and so my friend was diagnosed with cancer and we were like, oh, okay, that's that's a, that's a hard thing. And then we found out it was going to be terminal. Um, and then I just 
this thing that I didn't understand started happening. I was couldn't breathe. Um, I felt sick all the time. Couldn't eat like properly. My mum used to have to sit with me to make sure that I ate, um, and it was a lot of sleeping and a lot of crying. And that's when I realised that it was anxiety. I was having panic attacks all the time, and I went to the doctor about it. And I mean, GPs are what they are. But the doctor, I described all my symptoms. The doctor was like, "Oh, you have a stomach bug." And so they gave me loads of medication. Um, so I don't have, I've, never, I've never taken medication since because it really messed me up. It messed my stomach up so badly because you're treating something that didn't exist. So they gave me all these medications that like stripped my stomach um, to get rid of a bug that wasn't there because I was anxious. Um, so I was really anxious, really depressed. And I spent a lot of time just like at home, just didn't know what I was doing. Didn't think I would ever do anything because I guess when you're in that, you're just kind of like, this is going to be me forever, right? And I couldn't read, which was really hard because I just get anxious. And I couldn't write because I'd get too in my head. So the thing that I did was write little notes on my phone. Um, so I was going back through these and I was really reluctant to go back through them because I knew it would be a bit, like, well, a bit dark. But um, So I'm going to read mine. It's really short because I could only like write short things. Um, this is what I said. I said, these are my emotions of a day. They can be mixed and matched as often. Uh, oh, wait, matched as often. Oh, no, hold on. Okay, wait, I'm going to cut that bit. Hold on. These are my emotions of a day. They can be mixed and matched. I feel at least three of them at any given time unless I am asleep. Nervous, frightened, stressed, anxious, stifled, hopeless, nauseous, panicked. And I don't know if there is one specific word, but the feeling that nothing will ever be okay again. Um, and yeah, that was me when I was 22. And that was me when I was 23. And that was me a bit when I was 24. And I don't really have that now. But what I will say is that I do look back on that time quite fondly, weirdly, because even though it was really hard and it was, can I swear? Yeah. Even though it was really hard and it was like, the fucking darkest time. And I remember just being like, you're never getting out of this. Like, it was just, it was absolutely mad. I used to have to go to hospital because I was, like, not eating properly. Um, yeah, it was really tough. But also, the way that I was afterwards, and given that I came through it, that was, like, the most amazing thing. Because, basically, it was just, like, I realised what it was. It was, like, a lack of understanding control because I thought well I thought I thought I was in control of everything and also I was raised to just be like a strong black girl and I spent all of my life being a strong black girl and my family they nicknamed me mother my nan was like she's been here before so we'll call her mother and so like my cousin who is like quite ditzy she's really small so her nickname was Minnie and then mine was mother, so it was like, she's older than me by like seven years. So I grew up with her being this like little cutesy thing who is like older and like me who has to just like care of everyone. And I, I, was, I just grew up with like my grandma and my aunts like telling me all their problems and like everyone just offloading onto me all the time because they're like, she can take it. And so I was carrying like all of this stuff and I was like, well, because I'm that person, I'm because, because that's my role, I'm really in control of everything. But then when my friend was diagnosed with cancer, I was like, you're not in control of shit. And that really, really scared me. And I had to let go of trying to be strong. And yeah, that really fucked me up for a long time. What was that process of letting go of that kind of imposed strength what was that period like it was dark it was just crying like I literally was just I would just be sorry I would just be in bed 
and tears were just coming out of my eyes, like in a way that like has never happened since. Like, I'm a crier now, but also I think it was just like years of tears. I had never allowed myself to cry. Um, but it was only at the point when I was just like, fuck, this is here and this is here to stay. You know, because obviously when you're in that, you're just like, okay, this is forever, right? So like when I was in that, I was like, yeah, no, no, this is like, this is, you know, this is, and I kind of, I quickly realised that this was stuff that I had been suppressing for such a long time. Yeah. And how do you sort of nowadays make sure that you don't take on that role, that sort of burdensome role for the people around you? It's hard. It's hard because like, naturally I'm a really caring person. And so like, if a friend is like, I'm in trouble, I'm like, how do we sort it? Like, I, I'm a very, I'm a very like, wee person. And so, like, if one of my friends is in pain, I'm like, well, how do we deal with that? Um, and so I have to, like, impose boundaries. And it, even with my best friends, I have to say, like, hey, like, I'm not in a space where you can offload on me at this point. Um, but, it, you know, you know I'm here, but just I can't be here in the way that you might like me to be here. Um, and also just, like, telling everyone to get therapy. <laughs> because like, I had to go to therapy when I could eventually leave the house because when I said I was in the house I, I was in the house and like going to the shop was like it was a thing like I would be like mum can you like come like halfway down the road with me and then like, I'll try and make the rest of it and she'd be like okay can like yeah we can do that because she's very you know she it was really hard for her to understand it as well because like she is like she's so optimistic and, you know, like mental health was something that was just never discussed in our family. Mm-hmm. So she was like, ah. Anyway, sorry, my point is I have to be really boundaried and I have to be like, mm-hmm. I can't take this on today. Um, and I have to also, for myself, I've got to honour my feelings. I, I cry a lot and like, it's amazing. And I love crying because I always feel better afterwards because it just reminds me that, I mean, crying is like a cleansing, right? Like it's like, it's like, tension relief because you know it's all this stuff that's pent up inside you and so if I wake up and I'm in a really like I'm like oh today's not gonna be a good day I will find something that I know is gonna make me cry and then I'll just watch it and then be like right and as soon as you finish doing that now you do your work or like now you go with what you need to do like if you attach your sadness to something tangible you just have to do that but I think it's really important I think we all just need to do that We, we have we have so much that we hold on to and releasing it is like I agree to crying a lot. It's <laughs> a useful outlet. I feel like um, in retrospect now, you you kind of, you have a lot of the language and the frameworks through which to explain boundary setting, to explain that that feeling is anxiety. But like growing up in a family, especially as like in like a West Indian family where like therapy is like not a thing and like you're fine. Like I remember telling my dad I want to get therapy and he was like, but you're fine. And I was like, oh no, but I actually feel quite anxious. How did you develop that like framework of language through which to understand your experience? I mean, it, well, I mean, it really, I really put it down to those two years, which is why I can't ever like be like, oh God, you were so down. Oh God, I'd never want to go back there again. I probably won't just because I understand how not to let that happen. And also eating properly is like such a thing to me because when you don't eat, your body like reduces, your body releases adrenaline to keep you going and adrenaline is like what anxiety feeds off right so you have to like make sure so basically just also have to understand I had to understand the science behind it as well um but it was like these I guess like these frameworks I just had to like read up on how to work through things because I'm really sensitive as a person I take stuff on all the time and I had to start like reading articles and also like talking to therapists and like not just my therapist but talking to like my friend's mum is a therapist and I had to be like like 
they'd be like, what can can I touch your mum a bit about like stuff? And I also spoke to a friend of mine, um, and her mum had something similar to she had a really bad anxious episode, and I spoke to her about it, and she was like, look, you know, let's talk about it when you need to because I've been here, and so it was talking to like adults who were like white middle class women, <laughs> who were the ones who had been allowed to be fragile. And because I couldn't go to my own family, I couldn't talk to them. So I was talking to my friend's parents, you know. I'm also interested in your use of notes in this time where you couldn't, like, express things in any other way. What do you think it was about that medium of, like, is it about having the phone in your hand and it just being, like, right there? Or, like, why did you...? I think it was. I think because I just couldn't... To pick up a pen and write in a diary, because I'm a big diary writer, like I always have been. I still, like, write in my diary now. And (laughs) a diary's great because it can never talk back to you and tell you that you're not being logical, because sometimes you just need to not be logical. You just need to be as mad as you need to be, like, privately and not have anyone be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes you just need to, like, get the stuff out. Um, But with the notes thing, it was because I couldn't write in a diary because the more that I wrote, the more that I would just spiral into this, like, oh, I'm in a really bad, oh, no, this place is too bad for me. Um, And so the notes thing was just, like, quick. It was just, like, it's here. And I have, like, a few where I've also... I, when I was looking back at that, because it was eight years ago, and I haven't deleted any of them, which I'm glad about, but there were loads of, like, little, like, things that I'd obviously picked up, like, little phrases about, like, being okay and, like, being normal is not normal. You know, just, like, little, like, isms that, like, used to obviously help me through that I would look at. Um, and so the notes thing was, like, really helpful for me. Now I just use it to, like, if I think about, like, character stuff, which is a really nice, like, development in myself. So now if I have, like, if I hear something on the bus that someone said that I really like, and I'm like, oh, I think a character would say that, then I can write those things in there. But, yeah, back then it was just, like, the easiest way of, like, not going too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I think we talk about writing as a cathartic release a lot of the time and we don't often talk about it as being something that can actually, you know, writing in certain ways can make your problems worse. But I kind of get what you mean because sometimes I'll write a diary entry and I'll be like, everything sucks, woe is me. And like, then you've got that written in paper now and then that's your truth and like, you're not allowing Mm -hmm. for... Yeah, all of my diary entries are pretty bleak. Well, the few that I had. Yeah. It's always like, it's the end of the world and that is it. I think I threw most of my diaries out, you know. Because it was just... Pressing. When I was like, I'd have to burn mine. Like, I was like, I couldn't throw it because someone might find them. Oh, God. <laughs> I'd have to burn them. So we were wondering, since the publication of Queenie, we know that you must have an incredibly busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, have you put in any sort of, like, self-care practices, things to de-stress? I obviously saw you in Kent, which is one of the places I know you go to, like, chill out. And I need to go, but I'm a cancer, so I always need to be by the sea. Oh. Yeah. Um, no, do I Emotional do cancer. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm a triple water, if that means anything to anyone. Is so that like, to do with your placements? Or? So, no. like, so my rising is Scorpio and my moon is in Pisces. Okay. So it means that I'm basically just like... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> every day in your, in your feelings all the time. Oh, no, no, but like all the time. And like I kind of like being in them, which is bad, but also, you know. But also, you know, that's just me. You had to just like... And that's thing also, it's kind of like growing up and being so sensitive, plus being the strong person in my family like amongst the elders was just like you don't know what you're doing like you're killing me um but now they're not now I just actually I don't really talk to any of those people because they took advantage of me for such a long time my aunts offloading 
Um, so I can't talk to them because I realised what they were doing. And I was like, no, this isn't. And my mum also, she doesn't talk to them because she That's was That's like, a huge thing to, like, to separate yourself from, right? Yeah, it's really, really hard. Um, but also you have to cut toxic people out of your life. Like I was thinking, you know, like if a stranger was doing this, like this offloading constantly and this judgment and this berating, you would be like, who the fuck are you talking to? But because it's your family, it's allowed. Like, it's just like, no, you're like, you're ruining me. So in terms of like self-care stuff, um, I actually don't. I'm really bad at that. And I sent a friend, a friend of mine, we were trying to figure out when we could see each other. And I had to just screen grab my diary and like send X's on the days that I couldn't do. And she was like, okay, well, let's do like, the third Wednesday of like September but also um are you doing any like where are your days where you're looking after yourself and I was like oh that's a good point because I don't work full-time now I forget that what I'm still doing is a job but so you like, end up working even more when it's absolutely you know. and also because I write because my, my brain got into a habit of me writing at night just because I had to and so now my creativity doesn't come until late until like midnight and so I'm kind of like okay well so I just spend all my day just being like ah just just hanging out just (laughs) hanging out but then like you're doing work and thinking about work yeah Mm. and I think Liv and I went through a period when we were both freelanced a couple years ago where we were definitely working seven days a week and you do always work at weekends and like emails Charlie's the worst no you're the worst no, 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 no. She's actually the worst. I think Candice is the worst, actually. Yeah, you're the worst. It's just, it's just, it's just the emails never... And also because I'm writing... But also it's kind of hard because mm. when, I'm writing, like, big project stuff. And obviously when you're doing, like, smaller things, you get, like, your daily wins and you can, like, tick things off and be like, I've achieved stuff. But when you're, like, doing these big things... You can never tick like, it off. You can so never like, tick it off. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, well, I can write, like... I can, like, edit a page today or, like, edit ten pages, like next week but you're never ever getting that thing where you're like satisfied like I finished something so like all of your wins are just like and the payoff isn't great because you know there's just always more to do <laughs> you did you did write Queenie like at the speed of light though I did but just because that was necessity because it mm. was like I'm working full and also like when I wrote it it was so like in terms of mental health stuff Queenie doesn't go through what I do but I was like I'm equipped to write this because I have done this on like such a big scale and Queenie's is not the same but I spoke to a lot of people and I spoke to a lot of therapists about what Queenie's journey might look like Um, and but I just really wanted to the reason that I wrote it was because I was like this is the stuff that we go through and I just I felt so lonely because there was no one that I could talk to about what was happening I couldn't talk to any of my peers about what was happening and I because all of my friends at that time were like middle-class white girls and they just didn't have the same pressures like of course they had pressures but they just it just wasn't the same so I was like so they could all sympathize and be like you know like if you can't be at home like why don't you just like come to mine it was like I can't leave the house like you do, like you know you're being really kind but like it's not I just you, you don't understand yeah. yeah and then my family were also just like no like you're fine is it you know it's like what your uncle like your dad said sorry it's like my family were like say your prayers and have a cup of tea and it was just like and then the religion thing is another thing a whole like, other level but yeah, so it was, um, so I wrote it really quickly because I was like, it really was because I was like, I want people to not, to, I want people to know that what they're going through is commonplace. And like, that's been the biggest response is girls being like, I've been there. I know what that's like. I'm in it now. Mm-hmm. On the topic of that and kind of, and, and seeing yourself reflected and, and writing it for those, I don't know, black women that are going through it. What would you, if you could go back to Candice at 22, 23, 24, mm-hmm. 
um, and offer her some sort of advice, impart some sort of wisdom, what would you say? Oh, that's a hard one. What would I say? I'd give her a copy of Queenie. That's what I would do. Like, genuinely, I was like, write what you would have wanted to read at that time. Um, but if I went back to young me, I would probably, I think just like saying that everything's going to be fine was like the main thing because I was convinced that like that was going to be me forever and ever and ever. And I remember like one of my cousins, she was like, can you make a list of things that are that are forever? And I was like, well, I don't know, like water and she was like no that evaporates and I was like okay well and like we basically just a list of stuff and I was like you know like there were loads of like coping strategies that I had to go through but I could never convince myself despite all of those things that it was not going to be me for the rest of my life um and when I started to like break out of it and this was like when I was 25 I was still like very much in it and still very much like ah this is yeah so it was like three years of just like darkness but then it started to just lessen and then I mean like of course I'm always going to be in my feelings and like I will get anxious I mostly get depressed these days um the anxiety I know how to pattern it and I know how to do like my breathing and stuff but in terms of like I mean like the world at the moment is not like necessarily inspiring but also I'm just kind of like you know grateful to be here and be alive because I've had like so my friend passed away and that was like again a huge trigger and then another friend passed away he um he overdosed and so that, I didn't know that was coming, obviously. And so that was like within the space of three months. So that was just like, that was a that was a, a hard time. And that was when I was 25 and I was like, yeah, you're really in, here to stay. But I think I would just, I guess I would say to myself that it's going to be fine and it will still always be hard, but you'll be okay. Because that was the thing. I was just like, I'll never be okay in it. But I am because you just learn to navigate these things. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So we've kind of t- already touched on this already, but what do you think your younger self would think about where you are now? What would younger self think? I don't know, younger self would not believe it, like, at all. I was thinking about this. When I, so, I, I was at the um, Top Boy screening, um, and I stopped for a moment, and I was like, a few years ago, you couldn't even, you couldn't leave the house, for one. And also, I remember trying to watch Top Boy and stopping it and starting again and stopping it because it was making me too anxious, and I would just sit and I would spin out because it was quite, it's quite bleak, isn't it? It's quite traumatic at times. And I was just like... Imagine if you could go back and say to younger you, in a few years' time, you'll be at a premiere of this. Like, it was just, it was like a real weird moment. Um, but I don't think, I don't think young me would believe it because I'm quite pessimistic. Well, realistic, but, you know, pessimistic. Let's be realistic, I'm pessimistic. But, like, <laughs> so I don't think young me would believe it, but I still think it's like, I wish I could have known that because it's such a... It's like, you know, it's not like just going to these events is amazing, but it's also just, like, being at the house and being a person who's, like, managed to achieve something and, like, managed to have your place with, with these people in this room and just, like, watching this thing um, was really, really important. So, yeah, I think that my young self would just be like, nah, that's not going to happen. Mm. But I still, you know, I just, I, I almost just want to go back and just like, just hang out with young me and just yeah. look after her and be like, just give her a hug. It'll be all right. Because I didn't get enough of that. Like, I don't really like, my mum is not a, like a huggy person. Yeah. Um, my dad is, <laughs> what, he's absent. So, <laughs> absolutely not. But like, and my nan, my nan is like, I don't like anyone touching me. So I'm not from a family. Like, I'm really tactile. Like, I love hugging people. But um, my family would not like that. So mm. I would just go back and like, hug young me. Where do you think your tactility comes from? Is it is it because of the lack or is it? I don't know. I wondered this. I think it is. I think I think it is because I, I never had it and I know how important it is. Um, and also I'm just like, I'm like a cat. Like I'm just like a, like a, like I like to sleep. And then I just like to like talk to and be with people when I'm ready mm. and just like hug them and just like climb on them and mm. like and then just be like, all right, bye. <laughs> I'm off. Would you would you describe yourself as like an introvert or an extrovert? I don't know. So I was always like convinced I was an introvert, like convinced. I was like, I just don't like being around people. <laughs> and then I met someone and he was like, mm, you're wrong about that. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, I think you're an antisocial extrovert. And I was like, I think you're right about that. Because I really do like people and their energies. Um, and actually, I think I thought I was introvert because I would have to come home after work in publishing and be like, <sighs> and like really decompress and be alone. But then actually I realised that was just because that was the environment that I was in. Was Wrong like, people. That's it, exactly. And then when I'm around the people who give me energy, I'm like, I mean, I'm never going to be in the middle of the room making noise. I'm just not a loud person. Like, I just, I don't like being the centre of anything. I don't like talking. Um, I don't like public speaking. I just kind of like to just be like in the corner, just be like, enjoy the vibes. Um, 
But yeah, I think antisocial extrovert is a good way of describing me. Do you have, we're going to ask all of our lovely guests to answer this question to kind of impart some wisdom, some gems for the kind of younger generation that might be listening to this. Um, And obviously we're living in a, I don't even know what this is. I don't know how to describe it. But if you could offer any advice to the young people, the baby dem, growing up today, what would you say to them? I would say honour your feelings and talk as much as possible about what you feel is wrong because I realise now at 30 like I've got a good set of people around me Um, and also sorry in fact finding your tribe is like linked with that because I did not have people around me who just you know it's just no one's fault it's just one of those things where like the environments that you're in but I would say like go to events and go to spaces if you can and you know you don't have to be loud you don't have to like go and like try and kick it with like the people who are loudest in the room because you know you don't know but you know like just talk to people who might be like you um because you just need to have you just need that like I was in the street yesterday um we'd just seen a film I was with my friends Danny, Bolu and Toby and um I was putting my jacket on and we were just talking about the film and this um white woman's blonde woman she walked past and she smacked me on the bum really hard and she carried on walking. What? And I was, yeah, no, it was really bad. And I was like, Whoa. what? And like stuff like that, like weird stuff. Like people say stuff or like whatever. But this woman did that and she carried on walking. Oh my God, laughing. in the context of what you just watched. And oh my God. Yeah. So she no. was like laughing and walking. And like Danny and Bolly were like, what? what's on? What's wrong? And I was like, that woman. Oh, oh, that woman just like smacked something on the bum. And like Danny was like off down the road. Like she flew oh God. after wow. her. And when I caught up with her, Danny was like, like the woman was like running away and laughing. And Danny, I just, I just caught the tail end of her being like, you cannot put your hands on someone that you don't know. Why don't you understand that? Why are you laughing? And then this woman was like, she eventually, she was still laughing and like smirking. And eventually she said, why don't you just have a sense of humour? And then Bolu like flew at her and we had to like hold her back because also we knew that if we had reacted then we would have been the ones to be in trouble. Do you know mm. what I mean? But then I was just like, like everyone was like, are you, okay? are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not, but I would have been less okay because that sort of thing has happened before and the people around me were just like, oh. Shame. Oh, no. Yeah. Or just like... Oh, they weren't riders, being, though. Yeah, yeah, they weren't. They were just like, oh, she's just being silly, ignore her. But wow. like, I had, I've never felt as protected, even by my family, mm. as I had by the two friends that I found at this point. And I found them like on the internet. Did like, you? Is that how you met? We met on Twitter. So that was just like... The great yeah. writers <laughs> of our generation. Um, but yeah. do you know what I mean? So I think like finding your tribe is important because, yeah, in all of my 30 years, I've never felt as protected as I had by those two girls. Yeah, and it's like being... I think it's that thing of feeling allowed to be angry and upset mm. that something like that happened to you. I remember like a few years ago, some like, just at a festival, some idiot put his hand Absolutely. in my hair. of course. And... I was with two black girls and they were like, what? I was like, guys, it's fine, it's fine, but it's fine. Not. But it wasn't fine. And I was, and actually, in hindsight, I'm really glad that they stood up for because, me. Because, I mean, it's that, that happened to you. Mm. But you're in shock. Because mm. you are in shock. Because, of course, people should not be able to just come up to you and touch you in a way that they, they would like to. Mm. Um, but also, we are not... We don't understand how to react in those situations because literally shock takes over. Yeah, um, And I don't think you realise until later on actually the impact that will have on you. Yeah. And I just remembered the key detail in that, which I've forgotten to say, which was that he just, he what he was doing was he was drying his hands in my hair. Oh, in your hand? Yeah. 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 
It's the worst, the worst. Oh, anyway, that's horrible. It's I'm right. so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think we're also we're equipped to be like, no, it's fine. No, I'm fine. No, it's okay. Yeah. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm over that. I'm over it now. Yeah. I'm getting. I'm over that yeah. thing of just having to kill people that don't want to treat you well with kindness. Yeah. Like why? Niceness. Yeah. We just. It's, it's, like, it's weird that we just have to hold it down all the time. Absolutely not. And we just don't. Like we just remembering that we don't. That like, we can be as angry and as upset as we need to be because these things are really affecting. So yeah, that's what I would say. My thing is obviously always going to be about feelings. I think that people just have to honour what they feel um, because I know that repressing things is always going to come out. So just, you know, let it out in a way that is manageable to you. But yeah, don't let it build up. Mm -hmm. Important. So I think we, do we have a quick fire round now? Let's do three. I'll pick three. Let's do three super quick fire questions. You've got like, you've got to just go like, like that. Okay. Okay. Favourite song at the moment? Oh, it's um. Oh no, it's oh no. I'm really, oh, it's oh. Wait, no, that's really. I can't do that because me and music is come back to me. No, can, wait, can you sing it? Oh no. <laughs> wait, okay, no, no, no. It's um, it's um, let the water run dry from um that film Inner the Yard, which is amazing. Oh. That's it. Cause I listen to it all the time. Favorite TV show? Stranger Things. Mm. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I, um, I'm going to the Secret Cinema, Stranger Things. Are you? Yeah. Jealous? It looks really good. Get Jealous. <laughs> I will, well, I know, because I like to do my nerd stuff in private. <laughs> and finally, role model. Who's your role model? I'm going to say Toni Morrison, just because she, I've just been thinking about her so much recently, and how she has, has she's given us space to just do what we need to do and be unapologetic about it. Thank you so much. My it's been pleasure. an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing your advice, your wisdom to your younger self. Thank you. And just sharing your experiences so open and honestly with us, especially around grief and, you know, it's a lot. Well, I think it's necessary because I wish I'd had that more when I was, when I was, when I needed it. Mm-hmm. We love you. We love you and love we appreciate you. What did you think about Candice's extract? They were all relatively sad feelings. Yeah. But it was interesting, I think, to hear her unpack what was going on for her at that time that left her her feeling those various states of kind of hopelessness at the, at the point. Mm-hmm. And at a point at which she couldn't even leave the house or she couldn't even read a book. Mm-hmm. She, As a woman who loves writing, you know, she, yeah. there was nothing that she could do to get her out of that state. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing with Candice's story, which I have obviously read about through your feature with her on Galdem is that it's just it just it has so much hope in it doesn't it mm. like that even though she was someone who who as she said literally never thought that she would come out of that place mm. couldn't leave her house she is now <laughs> like but even ignoring the fact that Queenie has be- become like a, a phenomenon and um and has done so much for like South Londoners, <laughs> black women living in South London. And I have such a like, it's a topic that continues to like fascinate me. Is this it, kind of maybe arguably in, in a morbid way, but um, just this generational trauma that so many black people, and I think I can say, especially people of Caribbean backgrounds in the UK sort of carry with them um, when it comes to even going all the way back to when our families weren't free. It's a heavy burden, and, and Candice, Candice, the way she described the way that her aunties and things used to offload on her was incredibly relatable, I think, um, and also just something 
that you know has happened again and again and mm, again throughout mm, history. Mm. And I think... Yeah, yeah, strong black women who aren't uh, actually as strong as... I, and that's the thing that I love about Queenie as well is that she's an imperfect character. She's mm. going through it. She's a hot mess for, for most of it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's a side that, like you say, we, we don't often see. So, yeah, I think we love her. Amazing, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> she's a very clearly big-hearted person. 100%. This has been an II Studios production. Our researchers for the series have been Sana Huck and Alicia Ali. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up with Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us, and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at Galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com. Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.